Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And this week is referee week here on Talk is Jericho. Uh, starting us off, AEW's most popular referee, who's the bane of my existence. Uh, she happens to be uh, almost my personal referee on AEW Dynamite. Aubrey Edwards is here, and it's going to blow your mind, but Aubrey's only been refereeing for three years. It's a great story about how she got started, what she was doing before wrestling, and how she ended up in AEW. She's got amazing stories with the indie scene, the work she did uh, for WWE, and what it's been like for her to do live TV for AEW. You're going to hear some of her favorite matches, her favorite talent to work with, of course, me, uh, her favorite stories and matches she's been a part of, and why she volunteered to put the rule book together for AEW. There actually is a rule book for all this, uh, ladies and gents. So we're going to hear from Ref Aubrey. That's not her real name, by the way. But that's another great tale that involves Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. So before we turn the microphone over to Abby Edwards, I'll be firing up the mic this weekend for another Saturday Night Special. Thanks to all of you who tuned in last Saturday. And sorry for all the technical problems. There was a big lightning storm where I was on Saturday night. You actually saw that if you've watched it. Kind of screwed up the uh, Wi-Fi connection. But we still had a great time and uh, did a great number, actually, too. A lot of you, almost 150,000 of you checked out the show so thanks to all of you who watched it, uh, who hung in there with me and asked such amazing questions. We did a Danzig sing-along to Mother! We'll do it again this Saturday, hopefully with no frozen screens and lost connections. I'll be back in my home turf. So this Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on my official YouTube channel, it is the Saturday Night Special. I'll be answering more of your questions, another sing-along. Bring your suggestions for that. It's the Q&A, and of course, A is spelled E-H. All right, this Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and my official YouTube channel. Don't forget Wednesday night. Uh, tonight is uh, Sammy Guevara and myself, the Sex Gods versus the Best Friends. The winners become the number one contenders for the AEW Tag Team Championships. You do not want to miss that. Uh, Aubrey was not involved uh, in that match, uh, uh, but she is involved here on Talk is Jericho, and she's up right now on Talk is Jericho. Okay, so um, AEW, it's been a great, uh, a great show, lots of successes, and building a lot of stars. Yes. And one of the stars that's indirectly been built is uh, referee Aubrey Edwards, which is so funny, probably the most popular referee maybe like in the last decade or so. It's crazy because you're telling me this, but like you were the one that did it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've even told me that like, hey, don't get a big head. Like yeah. I, I built you in a day. I'm like, no, you did. You did. Yeah. You absolutely I built did. You. I can take this away too. Yeah. But, but you've also built a lot of people here. So yeah. But it's funny though, because it's, it's, it's we're at the point now for you that we can't, use you for certain situations. <laughs> I don't do run-ins. Chanting Aubrey. We, we, we had, um, I, I did a, a big pull apart with Hangman last year at uh, Daily Place, whatever the show was. And we had, the. this is when the librarian first started. So yeah. Peter came out to kind of separate and was like, shh, shh. And I was like, no, it's supposed to be serious. And the same thing happened a couple <laughs> weeks ago with you. It's like, no more Aubrey and run-ins. I think it was you and Mox and people started chanting me. And yeah. I'm like, no, no guys. Like, cause I was the only ref that got in the ring but it was because nobody else was giving time cues. Mm-hmm. And I'm just concerned about the segment hitting time. Right. And they start chanting. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to get heat for this, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out because like now they'll send me out when like we need that pop. Mm-hmm. Like for the Iron Man match, people are tired after a 30 minute match. So they send me out like, oh, no, they'll, they'll get up for this. So mm-hmm. now it's like we're using it to our advantage a little bit. Right. And I'm not going to complain. Like, it's nice. I, I really appreciate it. Like it's, why, it's still weird. Why do you think that people like you so much? Um, I mean, you got in my face and I didn't stand down. Mm-hmm. And I think as a, like media, seeing strong women on TV is very empowering. Right. We still don't get a lot of opportunities to see something like that. And the fact that the referee is the person that has to be listened to. Because if you don't listen to me, I'll just disqualify you. And it's like, oh. right, 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 right. Like that's, that's the thing is like, you have to listen to me. There's nothing more empowering than that. And... I mean, female referees are still very, very new, especially at this higher level. There's a lot more coming up on the indies. Uh, a lot of my students, all of my students are female. Students? Yeah, teach? so I train refs um, oh. uh, up in Seattle. I've got a few students. I have one uh, trans, male to female, mm-hmm. and then uh, two other girls, and they're all fantastic. Wow. So it's nice. It's like, it's literally representation matters. Like, I'm seeing it every day. Mm-hmm. Because one of my students actually drives up from Portland, three hours from Portland to Seattle, to train with me. Because she saw me at Double or Nothing. 
So hearing things like that is like, dude, <laughs> it's a big deal. Well, it's interesting training a ref. Yeah. So I actually had formal ref training. Okay. Well, tell me about that. Because <laughs> when I was in like wrestling camp. Uh, they just throw a shirt on you and tell you. Yeah, go out you're there. the ref, and you just go learn, out there, brother. Yeah, yeah. you learn to ref. You learn to set up the ring. You learn right, all right. You aspects. do everything. Yeah, but there is a whole. The refs are not wrestlers as well. Correct. For the most part. Yeah, so I never wrestled. Did, so I never right, wrestled. So how did you get formal referee training? So uh, I trained at. Uh, there's a school up in Washington that I previously trained at. Um, I had two guys train me. One was Chris Samuels, who's a referee. Uh, he's self-taught. He basically wanted to learn how to ref. Watched a bunch of WWE, took notes, and basically mm-hmm. emulated exactly what he saw on TV. And then another guy, Steve West, who's a wrestler. So I had both the referee training as well as the here's how you work with wrestlers training. Because there's the two parts of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like part of it is the storytelling aspect, but you also have to understand wrestling psychology to fully get what the role is. So we had full on like you're doing heat drills. You're uh, I learned how to bump and roll just for you know safety sake and ring awareness, all that, mm-hmm. but. You know, if you told me to lock up, it'd probably be really shitty. Yeah, but the ref, but you, <laughs> exactly. you take a bump sometimes. Yeah, so. like I can take a bump. I, I mean, but at the same time, I wouldn't want it to look like a wrestler bump. Mm. You want it to look like I'm getting knocked right, over exactly. and understand why that's important. Right, good point. Because I should look like I belong in the fight, but at the same time, I'm not one of the competitors. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's we train alongside with the wrestlers. Like we'll have practice matches and I'm in there with all the wrestlers and we're getting feedback and kind of just working as a team because that's what it is. We're trying to emulate the, there's not two guys in the ring, there's three. Mm-hmm. So that's just sort of how we end up teaching. Because the best refs are ones that you never notice. That's the idea, which yeah. is funny because a lot of people on Twitter are like, I just see her all the time. She's making a lot of big faces and stuff. And it's like, well, oh. I mean, I used to hate it when there's certain refs would come to, when you do this, I'm going to be over here and I'll be over there and I'm going to do this. And it's like, I don't care what you do. Just stay out of the way. Exactly. You know? Whereas it's like when... Say, like, you give me a spot. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you, well, how do you want me to respond in this? Right. Because I know it's your story and I'm just there to help you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I've always seen it. I don't know if that's correct, but it seemed to work out so far. So how long have you been a referee for? Uh, it'll be three years this July. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I'm a baby. Yeah. I haven't been doing this for very long. <laughs> well, you're, the, you're a natural for it, though. I danced for 20 years. So that was the thing. I did um, a lot of classical ballet training, mm-hmm. uh, which there's actually a lot of similarities like there's the whole being in the theater aspect understanding like a show and the hierarchy and mm-hmm. direction and knowing your role and how you're supposed to fit into the bigger picture there's all of that but also like like you're familiar with the nutcracker yeah. right so you've got this waltz of the flowers you've got all these pretty girls in their flower dresses in the back and then you've got sugar plum fairy in the front or whoever it is depending on your version of the nutcracker like they're the person on the poster you pay to see not the girls in the flower costumes. So I've been basically just trained to be a girl in a flower costume my whole life. Mm. I know that I'm supposed to stand behind the people that are on the poster that everyone paid to see. It's not about me. It's about making them look good. Mm. Because from a refing perspective, it's the exact same thing. So it's, there was a a very easy transition from that aspect because my mindset's kind of always been the same. It's an interesting point because if you're one of the girls in the flowery dress and you fall down or, mm-hmm. you know, misstep, everyone's going to notice you. Like exactly. Said, again, and you like, can't be noticed. Right. Like a ref, a good ref. Is never exactly. Noticed. You have to blend in with everyone else. You right. can't stand out. Yeah. Huh. What um, made you decide to get into refing then? I had somebody ask me to do it. It was funny. So I, I danced for a long time and I ended up needing to retire for a multitude of reasons, mostly because I was... I was getting too old. I was tired of waking up sore and it wasn't my primary source of income. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those, like, how long am I really going to do this? So I stepped away from dance and then got super depressed because I did not realize how important performing was to my mental health mm. and a way to sort of express myself. Right. So I had a buddy who, Chris Samuels, the ref guy that trained me, uh, who said, hey, we're looking for more refs locally. We think you'd be a good fit. You want to try it out? And I'm like, Were you a wrestling fan? I was. Oh, big time. Like, so it's funny because I wasn't a wrestling fan as a kid. Mm. I never watched as a kid. First time I watched wrestling was WrestleMania 27 mm. because all of my friends were into The Rock and Stone Cold. And that was the year they came back to co-host or whatever. And I kind of was like, okay. Was that in Seattle? No, it was the one in Atlanta. Like oh, I, I watched oh, it on TV. Gotcha, like we gotcha. had a big Super Bowl party yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Like everyone just brings like a dish or whatever, right. doing prop bets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I watched it. I literally knew nothing about wrestling. Like I'm Googling The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know who this guy is. What's going on here? And I'm like, okay, this is entertaining. I get it. 
And then there was the whole stuff with CM Punk shortly after where he did the pipe bomb and he had the thing with Cena, Money in the Bank. And that was the thing that hooked me because now I understand that it's all storytelling. And it's like, you're just using your bodies in a new way to tell a story. So immediately I was hooked and I like dove into indies. I started traveling to go to wrestling shows. I did everything like hardcore fan. Uh, so I was already familiar with the rules and the layout of wrestling. I, I went to a bunch of local indie shows. My husband actually trained as a wrestler. Mm. So he had been wrestling for about a year and a half at that point. Okay. Um, so we've worked together a couple of times, although he's, he recently retired. So <laughs> he's, he's a lot older than I am. <laughs> it kind of hurt his body a little right, bit. Right. I know DDP started late, but not everyone has yeah, that luck right, that he right, does. Right. But uh, yeah, they just asked me to try it and I did and I sucked. It was real bad. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know what to do with my hands. Um, <laughs> it looked awkward. Don't know where to stand. Right. It's like I'm, I'm just trying to stay out of the way. And now I have a better understanding of like predicting movements. Like I know what moves look like. I know how certain talent moves. So if I know you're over here, I know you're doing this move, you're going to go over here. Or we've talked about the spot and you're saying, oh, I'm going to be on this side of hard cam. Like I can better predict where I need to stand. Mm-hmm. So I needed work. I mean, no one's good at anything day one. Right. I started training. Two months later, I did my first show. Mm-hmm. And then that was July of 2017. Wow. Right out, right. It's such right a short period of time. Yeah. Right out of the gate. Yeah. I, I was local to Seattle for about three months and then I started branching out. I did a lot of work in the Vancouver area. So ECCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that Michelle Starr? No, Michelle Starr is all-star wrestling, okay, which I also worked. That's actually where I met Frankie Kazarian, which is why I ended up here. Ah. Um, but yeah, so I, I worked with the companies up in Vancouver. I did some work down in Portland and then did I you ever s- run into Luther up there. I didn't, funny oh, enough, because yeah. Chris Harrington was like, do you know Luther? I'm like, the name sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. And then we met, and occasionally we're on the same flights now. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. Certain guys are in that. that yeah, place, he's so. up in Bellingham, which is about like 30 minutes from yeah, the Canadian yeah, yeah. border. So right. it's, it's like two and a half hours north of me. Let's talk about the shows you reffed in Canada, Aubrey, and some of the talent that you worked with. But before we do, I'll tell you that my family's having a great time on vacation this week. Uh, one thing that Cheyenne, my daughter Cheyenne, is missing is her Helix mattress. It's about four, been about four months since Cheyenne got the new mattress, and uh, she loves it. Uh, it's the perfect one for her. She took the Helix sleep quiz to figure out which mattress would be best for her before we ordered it, and she got the uh, Helix Moonlight Luxe mattress, and Cheyenne loves it. Uh, she says she's sleeping better than she ever has, and the reason for that is Helix has a specific mattress for everybody's unique tastes, You don't have to take our word for it, though. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Jericho. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that's going to give you the best sleep of your life. Helix has a 10-year warranty, and you get to sleep on the mattress for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but trust us, you're going to love it. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows at helixsleep.com slash Jericho. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash Jericho for up to $200 off. Try it risk-free for 100 nights. That's right, 100 nights. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Jericho and have the sleep of a lifetime. So when you were uh, going to work in Canada, you just crossed the border, they let you through, did you have to fib at all and say you're going there just to hang out or it's sort of so it's funny because as americans in british columbia i don't know if it's all of canada but we're not actually required to have a visa mm-hmm. if you're a it literally says on the immigration site like a wwe style performer really right so americans getting into canada not a problem like i'm still only answering the question that they're asking like what are you doing i'm going to a wrestling show like, I'm not going to say any more than that if they don't ask. And then they yeah. start asking about, like, do you have guns in the car? Like, and then you know you're in the clear. Right. But the Canadians have a much harder time because they do need visas to work hmm. in to the States. States yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's difficult. I had a very easy time getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only once or twice I got pulled in really because, like, there's something big going on that weekend and they're just pulling in random cars. But, like, I didn't have any issue. So who were some of the big stars in ECCW? I mean, the, the big people that came out before I went up there, like Kyle O'Reilly mm-hmm. was kind of the big one up there. Um, I know Becky Lynch worked up there for a bit. Bollywood boys are from up there. Uh, the big names right now, Artemis Spencer is probably like the biggest name coming out of there. Uh, Randy Myers, who's currently the Fi champion. Nicole Matthews. And the Voros twins are starting to get around. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love These them. Guys are trip, they're right? freaking Muppets, Yo. man. <laughs> the Muppets? They look like Muppets. I'm like surprised they're not signing it because they look so silly. <laughs> I'm not wrong. And there's two of them. <laughs> and they're identical. Although I can tell the difference between Chris and Patrick. Okay. 
I'm not going to tell you the secret, but I know. Yeah, you know after a while. I know after a while. And their personalities are very different. How did you like working in Canada? It's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's, wrestling is so big in Canada, and there's mm. so much history there. And working with companies that have been around a long time, you're just kind of walking into all of this history that it's just, there's still stuff that's happening in Canada like I didn't know about. Like, um, I did a little bit of work at WWE, and Mauro Ranallo comes up to me, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're from, like, such and such. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He worked at All Star. Mm -hmm. And I forget that there's all of these paths that have crossed that unknowingly. Right. But what yeah. Did, what did you do with WWE? Uh, I was in the Mae Young Classic. Really? I was a referee. Yes. No kidding. Yeah. That was how, kind of a weird one. How did that, how did that come to be? <laughs> so their lady ref, Jessica, who just got moved up to SmackDown, mm -hmm. she started refing right around the same time I did. Although she had wrestled for 10 years. She did a tryout with them. They brought her on and said, well, we're not going to hire you as a wrestler, but would you be interested in wrestling? What was her wrestling name? Uh, Kennedy Brink. Okay. Brink, Brick, something. Something like that. Kennedy right. something. Right. Um, she trained with uh, Dudley Boys. Gotcha. But she started right around the same time I did, and we both had mutual friends. We got in contact, and we're just kind of like being supportive because there's not a lot of women in our role. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have to help each other out a little bit. And they started talking about wanting more refs at the Mae Young Classic. So she reached out to me. And said, "Would is this something you'd be interested in?" I'm like, "Well, absolutely." Like at that point, there's no other options. So if mm -hmm. you want to like be successful, that's where you got to end up. So I went. I did a tryout. Um, it was during an NXT week, so I had a dark match during TV taping, and they liked me enough. They brought me in for the May Young Classic, so I did that. I did another road loop with them, and then I did their all women pay per view. I was in the I did the Battle Royal. Was it NXT all women? Or the, or the no, like the one on the main roster. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like, I think the main event was like Ronda Rousey versus Brie Bella. Right, right, It right, was right, that right. show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So they flew me out to New York and I ended up like just being on the outside of the Battle Royal for like eight minutes. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. So it was, I think like total, I worked for them like 16 days. Hmm. So like never full time, but you know, kind of the same thing a lot of people end up doing with extra talent. You just end up racking up days with them. Right, right, right. right. But like never a full time offer. Who was kind of your boss when you would do those shows? Uh, Drake. Who's a, yeah. a senior ref down at NXT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he is. He's so good. Um, and the amount of stuff that I've learned from him was, it completely changed a lot of the ways that I approach refing. Especially like I had zero TV experience. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, well, like the first time I'd ever done live television for wrestling was in DC. Like I, I in October, in October, October second with wow. Sammy and Cody first so you match. Never even had like you know like local TV or anything. Well, like, like local TV, but that doesn't really count, yeah. right? Like it's never live; it was all pre-recorded. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like there's a live audience, but it's going to be like you're filming four episodes at once, right? Right, because right, right, you're right. doing a month or two at a time. So, mm -hmm. but an actual live television, like you can't this up. <laughs> like never until like October second. Wow. Yeah, I got thrown to the fire real fast. So what did, you mentioned Drake, because I remember when I did Tough Enough, he was the ref, and I thought he was really good. He's very good. Very tan. Very tan. <laughs> what, what kind of things was he teaching you? Um, a lot of just how to, like, how to help the talent tell a story. Mm -hmm. A lot of positioning stuff, a lot of how to make sure you're out of the way for cameras, mm -hmm. because they have a very particular way, like, they want the refs out of the picture. Great point. So that in the event that they want to zoom in on wrestlers, the ref's not in the way. Mm -hmm. Got to be aware of the hard camera. Exactly. Like uh, I had already had a lot of experience with hard cam just with a couple of the venues that I performed in. Like we had that experience. So that wasn't too hard, but like working with an IFB, being able to pass time cues, they have talk back mics. So being able to talk back to the production and do they? yeah, they do, which is super handy. So, yeah. cause like one of the things that happened in the Mae Young classic, there was a match where a girl took a dive on the outside. Who's that again? Tegan Knox. Right. Yeah, she blew out her knee. So mm -hmm. I did that match. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was, uh, the doctor comes out and he has no way to communicate to the back. So I'm like flipping on my talkback mic and he's talking into my little lapel, lapel oh. to basically update what's happening. Wow. So yeah, that was terrifying. So what do you do in that situation when Tegan took the dive, she falls, I remember she blew out her knee. Right. Call off the match right away. So I threw up the X mm. and I'm showing it to the timekeeper guy who's kind of like hesitant, I think because he's on a different channel than mm. I'm on. And even though it's pre-recorded, you it's a tournament, right? Like you want to keep going if you can. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to communicate like, hey, something's wrong. Someone needs to come out. And she's trying to walk. She's trying to get she's up. She's trying to like, she wants to make this happen. Mm. Like she, she missed it the year before because of her other knee. Mm. So the doctor comes out. I'm basically pushing Rhea Ripley back they're checking with her and she's like no 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 I can continue I can continue We're like okay and then air sucked out of the room she tries to continue ends up not really working she's like no I, I can't I can't continue anymore I think she took like a double drop kick falls down like throws me the x and I'm like oh okay we're done mm -hmm. so we basically just called off the match and then Rhea went over she wasn't supposed to 
So she had like 20 minutes to put together a 15 minute match with Io Shirai, who doesn't really speak English. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much like, oh, no, Ray is good. Like this is someone stepping up to take an opportunity. Right. But it was heartbreaking. Like mm. it was it was real sad to see, especially because she missed it the year before. And I mean, now she has this great comeback story. So sure, sure. Like no one ever wants to be involved with that, right? Like I'm not proud to say, why oh, was the ref when Tegan blew out her knee? Mm. Like that's terrible. Nobody wants that. But I don't wish that on anyone. It's hard to when she finally says, I can't continue. You motion for the bell because, of course, everyone in the back probably can tell what's going on. But are At they point, are they saying to you, ring the bell? Or are they telling you what to do? So I was being told. Basically, the match is over, ring the bell. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the confusion ended up happening was the person telling me what was going on, we knew like the match was over. But I think maybe there was somebody else and like Tegan wanted it to keep going. So at what point do we say, no, we're done? Right. Where are we in an agreement? And of course, it's all live. Like yeah. it's a live audience. So you're reacting as quickly as you can. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's not much you can do other than just relay the information you're getting to try and make mm -hmm. quickest quick decisions. So were you, were you hoping to get on with WWE full time? Were you disappointed that they, did they just stopped calling you or what happened? Uh, they kind of just stopped calling me. Like I reached out to them again a little while later and they're like, no, we got nothing for you. And then they kind of stopped calling. But I think given my personality, I don't think I would have been successful there. I'm really like fortunate AEW came around because I feel like this is a much better place for me for who I am as a person, what I want out of being a performer. Why is that? Um, we let our referees be personalities. And like Tony Khan has said that, like our referees have personalities because they're people with personalities. Mm -hmm. Whereas at, I mean, the, the biggest stark difference is they don't say their names on TV. That's right, they don't, there's nameless faces. No, they're nameless faces, there, whereas yeah. like Jim Ross is saying everyone's name every episode, multiple times in a single I match. I understood that. Like when you watch a football game or a hockey game, they say what they the referee's, say the referee's, referee's are, right? name is. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, like I don't know why, I don't get it, I don't agree with it, but it's not my product. Yeah, it's one of those weird Vince-isms. I, I guess, you know. but... It's, it's, an, it's a unique thing. I remember we came to Double or Nothing and Paul Turner is our senior ref. Right. So I was like, so are we going to like unify our count speeds? Are we going to do this? And he's like, no, just ref however you ref. Ref mm -hmm. the way that got you here. Right. So that's essentially what we've been doing. Like the only things we've been doing are as a group is like enforcing specific rules a little bit more than we would on the indies. Like, I mean, you've been a big help with that. Like, mm. no, our tag rules need to be blah, 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 blah. Right, right, right. When we first started here, we can talk about that. It was, it was, it was Wild West in a lot of ways. Well, and a lot of us all come from the indies, mm -hmm. and that's what we're used to. And a lot of the guys that we signed are all from the indies. Right. We're like, yeah, no, this is, this is legit. But the expectations for TV are so different. And I think that was the biggest change of, it's like, yeah, you're telling a story, but you have to tell a story within a certain box mm -hmm. right and i think all of us just learning how to best define what that box is because there's a point where it's like okay everything's going to break down but we still need to have structure otherwise there's no competition well, yeah, and that's the thing too if there's no rules you can't cheat if there's no rules there's nothing at stake exactly and, you know i think there was a lot of guys coming there's from, no competition from, from, if there's, there's no, no rules and a lot of guys did come from the indies like you said but now you're in uh, uh you're in a um situation where there's a million people watching Indie fans, maybe a hundred thousand of those million, or let's say it's two hundred thousand. Let's say it's let's say it's half, which it's not. It's not. There's still five hundred thousand people going. What the fuck is going on? Exactly. I don't understand this. They're not holding a rope. Why are they tagging? Right. And then or they're, they're standing they're over out. here. Because one of the guys. There's actually, three of them in at the same time. Like, yeah, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. And you, something that Brian Alvarez says, and you know, Brian's from your neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, I know. Brian. He's like, you know, I don't care what the rules are. I just want to know what they are. Yeah. If the rule is you can, you know, exactly. bounce on your head. Or whatever, like just tell us what right. they are and stick to it. Like our biggest change from typical rules is we have the 10 count for double team moves, right. whereas typically it's the five count, right? Mm -hmm. And that allows us to have a little bit more freedom. So it's nice that we've changed that, but ultimately everything else is the same mm -hmm. like wrestling rules wise. There's not too much difference. Um, right. But I think that's like an adequate change, but we need to be the ones to communicate that in the match because mm -hmm. commentary is not going to put it over every time. Mm -hmm. We have three tag matches every show, like... Eventually, right. the crowd's going to pick up on it. All right, so let's talk about how you actually came into AEW. And uh, we'll get into that story after you hear about my one-two punch to deal with pain and muscle soreness after AEW matches. I'm using Omax CryoFreeze CBD roll-on coupled with the brand new Omax CryoFreeze CBD Advanced Joint Defense Supplement. Uh, these two Omax products have been game changers for me. Now, you guys know I've been using the CryoFreeze roll-on for a while now, uh, while now. I roll it on wherever it hurts, and the pain uh, subsides, pretty much disappears. 
Um, but I just started taking the CryoFreeze CBD Advanced Joint Defense. So this stuff is a once-a-day supplement, and it's made from hemp-derived CBD, and it's clinically proven ingredient called NEM that relieves joint discomfort and soreness in seven days or less. Think about that. This breakthrough formula can reduce aches and pains from sore muscles, joint overuse, and just plain old aging. And if you're a super active person like I am and you want to stay that way as you get older like I do, this supplement is a must for muscle recovery. It's also going to improve your flexibility and long-term joint health. CryoFreeze Advanced Joint Defense also has no THC, and our friends at Omax make sure that it's third-party tested so you get 100% premium quality that you can trust. So how do you get your hands on Omax CryoFreeze Advanced Joint Defense? Lucky for you, I've got the hookup. Hey, only for a limited time, so you got to take advantage of it now. But if you go now, you're going to get 20% off the introductory price plus free shipping when you use my promo code Jericho at OmaxHealth.com. This discount also applies to any product site-wide through the end of this month. Just go to OmaxHealth.com today and enter code Jericho to get 20% off the CryoFreeze Advanced Joint Defense and anything else site-wide, that's omaxhealth.com, and use the promo code Jericho and make that pain go away. How did you um, end up coming to AEW? Ooh, it was definitely like right place, right time. It was uh, about three weeks before AEW was announced, and I, I told you I was a bit all-star, and I met Frankie Kazarian. Um, I refed one of his matches. I actually f***ed up the finish. Uh, the foot was on the rope. He was getting the pin. Heel had the foot on the rope, and I didn't see it, so I called for the bell. Saw it, waved it off, and said, nope, we're restarting. And if you ask Frankie, he'll say the match ended up better because the crowd had that, like, dip and then mm. come back because he's, like, the baby You're face. You supposed to restart? No, like, I was supposed to catch the foot and not count it, oh. but I totally missed oh, gotcha. it. gotcha. So yeah, you, so it was 100% on me. Like, yeah, I yeah. f***ed it up. But it, I did what I could to save it, and it mm. has to be, like, in the moment. So... Frankie, like, said that he really appreciated he liked it, and we had chatted a bit, whatever. And I'm just trying to, like, get to know people. Like, I just want the show to be good. Not just my matches, I want the show to be good, so I'm trying to help everyone I can in the back. And Frankie apparently got my name and gave it to the Bucks and Brandy. I ended up seeing him at a show at ECCW, I think it was January 11th, so it was, like, two weeks after AEW gets announced. We were supposed to have Brian Cage... And then Impact pulled a lot of people because their dates got announced, whatever. So Frankie filled in for Brian Cage. I'm like, oh, this is convenient. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I put together like my resume, promo shots, some matches. I've got an email ready to go. I was like, he doesn't know, but we're going to have this conversation. Yeah. And we show up and he's like, yeah, I need all your stuff. I'm like, oh, good. This is, I'm smart. So we had a match again. He liked it. I sent him all my stuff. And then literally a week later, I was at a Defy show in Seattle, and that was the first one where, like, the Young Bucks were doing that thing where they show up at a bunch of random indie right, shows. Right. That was the first one that they ended up doing that at. And the match I had was all of SCU versus three other guys. So I did a match with all of SCU. I get through the curtain, and then CD immediately offers me double or nothing. Hmm. So it was just like, oh, crap, okay, we're doing this. And it was just the one show. I'm backstage at double or nothing. It was My matches were all done, and I had... Cody's walking around covered in blood, right? And I'm like, hey, man, don't That's match. I worked with Dustin, right? Yeah, he yeah. worked with Dustin. Dustin bled like a gallon yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I see him. I'm like, hey, man, your match was awesome. He goes, thanks. You're doing the next one. I'm like, does he know <laughs> this is a one-show thing? Right. So I had to send that awkward email of like, hey, Cody said this. I don't know what we need to do. And so they brought me on for the next three. And then my full-time contract was offered to me the day after Fight for the Fallen. So... I technically wasn't full-time until after the title match in Chicago. Like, gotcha. the next day, I was officially full-time. Even though I'd signed my contract, like, a month before. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I'm technically, like, not a full-time employee as I'm doing that match. <laughs> it was kind of It's crazy. funny, though, because I was, uh, w- once again, coming here, and I knew a few people, and there's a lot of people I don't know, so you're just watching the matches and yeah, seeing yeah, everybody's yeah. vibe. And I remember, I was like, I said to her, like, she's really good, like, the, as a ref, right? And that's when I was thinking, okay, we're doing this title match with, with Hangman. Yeah. I want to have Aubrey, the first ever female ref in a world heavyweight title match. Yeah. You know, and I thought I thought that's a... Which is terrifying. A, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I was scared in that match. Mm-hmm. People ask me, like, what my favorite match is, and they assume it's that one. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no. I was all in my head. I was so worried. It's the first time I'm working with Chris. Turns out he's you're a cool, great, cool mm-hmm. guy and super easy to work with. But I'm like, I just don't want to f*** up. Mm-hmm. I'm so nervous. 
I'm worried I'm going to drop the belt because it's like 40 pounds. Yeah, super heavy. I right. was so in my head about that whole thing that I don't think I enjoyed it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like watching it back after, I'm like, okay, no, this was good. I'm happy with my performance. I could have done a couple things differently, but yeah, I was like, I was, I was nerve wracked. <laughs> but that was, I mean, I thought that was a pretty big deal. It absolutely because, you was. Know, absolutely. If, if was. it was WWE, we'd shove it down people's throats to where it's like, oh my gosh. But we didn't have to. We made a point of it. And once again, now we have a legit another main event ref because that is a thing, a main mm-hmm. event ref that it works is. the main events. It is. You know? Yeah. It's, I was like incredibly grateful for that. Mm. And honestly, like one of my career goals was to main event a pay-per-view someday. Mm. And to do that just after I have my two-year anniversary in the business is absolutely insane. So I, I can't. I can't thank you enough mm-hmm. <laughs> for the opportunity. It was great. But once and, again, doing it because you were worthy of the spot. Right. It's not like we're going to just check a box and, you know, yeah, that's throw a, a woman in front of the right. screen, which you could have done. Well, but, but for me, I would never do that. Like, I'm very exactly because I understand the, the importance of a great ref, but also a great ref that knows me. Like in WWE, I worked with Charles Robinson. Uh, Spider. Spider became my guy. Yeah. But they know what I need yes. in my matches. I need constant uh, uh, updates of what the time is. Mm-hmm. Hate counts on double downs. Yep, drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Learn that one. Just little things. But 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 if you know, like I, I like when I would show up for let's say WrestleMania, who do you want to be your ref, Chris? I'd say, well, can I have this guy? Well, he's working with that guy, that guy. But they wouldn't just give me like anybody. There's certain right. guys if and they used to be terrified of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I don't want this guy. Right. Or if they, if I had to have him, don't f*** up. Right. You know, don't f*** up my shit. I think know? it just makes it easier to work with as performers if there's a lot in understanding beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to communicate. Exactly. Like, yeah. you don't have to communicate all these things that you like in your match. Like, I know how you work. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what's important for this match. I'll just do the rest. Right, right, And at right. the same time, you're very good about giving me feedback of how I can do better. Mm-hmm. Like I know you've given me tons and tons of feedback about how to do better for like television wrestling. Mm-hmm. I know I'm much better at giving time cues now because of our work together. So that's such a very um, specific art form when it comes to live is, TV. There is. And it's like trying to do it in a way that everyone's getting the information. The priority people are getting the information, but the microphones aren't picking it up. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it in a way where it doesn't look like you're giving a time cue. Right. Like it's really hard. And I still have, I still have a lot. Of, I need a lot of practice. <laughs> like, and I'm nowhere near good. Yeah. It'll probably be a couple of years before I feel like really comfortable with it. But I mean, already after 22 episodes of TV, I feel a lot better. But than even I did too, on like, one. like I think last week you weren't in the match. I think it was Rick who I haven't worked with a lot, but they, it was one of those things where there was like seven minutes added mm-hmm. right before we went out. Right. And, you know, we still have to go to break at this certain point. Right. So what are we doing? But it, it's so on the fly here. It is. It very much which is. Which is great 99% of the time, but the 1% of the time where it's like, okay, let's uh, 35, 935. And, and what, we were supposed to go at 942, for right. example. Yeah. But it's just like, well, it's 935, just go. And that's fine. But, are we still going to break at the same time? Like I need to know these things so I can work my match accordingly. Exactly. And no one really gave me an answer, but after 30 years, I'm like, no, we'll figure it out. Whatever. Got that. But Whatever. once again, some people would be like, <laughs> oh, when do I go? What do I do? What do I do? Like, but it's live TV. You gotta yeah. Just you go just got to go. Right? You just got to do it. It's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. As long as the audience doesn't know that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. never going to pick it up. Right. Right. What was the, the biggest or, or the hardest thing for you to get used to on live TV? Hardest thing to get used to on live TV. Was it the timing of it? I think or? the timing of everything, like being able to communicate it's the whole commercial, the in and out of commercials and knowing we have to go to commercial because the ad partners want us to be at a certain time. We can't be at commercials during the hour changeover because we don't want people to change the channels. But like you don't want to miss out the awesome part of the match. You don't want like a big move happening in a picture in picture. Mm-hmm. And with all of the changes happening, like if someone runs long early on, and I'm in a match and suddenly I find out right as the bell rings, oh, we lost two minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we have to like figure it out and communicate. And the biggest thing is like with the women's division, we have a lot of girls who don't speak English. So that's been a right. really, really interesting. How does that work? A lot of times like there was a really good one recently, like Britt and Yuka had a match together and they had specific points in the match where if we're here and we're short on time, we'll cut this part. If we're here and we're short on time, we'll cut this part. So they just had a bunch of contingency plans going mm-hmm. into it. 
so that once they get information from me, they can adjust immediately. Mm. And there doesn't need to be any communication in the moment. Like there's a lot more pre-planning that needs to go into that, but uh, I, I've seen that's one of the ways that works. Mm -hmm. um, I know that like, like she does great because she, she understands like enough English. She lives in the States too, Yeah, right? she moved yeah. to Florida recently, so yeah. yeah. She's gonna learn how to speak English for sure. Yeah, I mean, once you're immersed in it. It's interesting to me, like those girls, because like even when I went to Japan, early on, everyone knew at least a little bit of English. Right. But those girls don't. Which yeah. Which is strange for me because Very it's kind of part of the wrestling business is you at least know, you know, arm drag or drop kick or right. whatever it may be. Right. But they don't seem like they even know that. No, and it's it's been interesting because a lot of the match planning involves Kenny and Nakazawa translating. Mm. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit more heavy just because mm -hmm. there's that extra layer to it. But like, I don't know if people know, but that's like a big reason why Nakazawa's I was here is he does translating when match planning mm -hmm. and it's, it's hugely helpful. I don't know how we would do what we do without him. Without him I yeah. I noticed you always have a, a, a notebook. Notebook. With you. <laughs> My gimmick. So I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. I, before this, I was working in software for 10 years. I was, I have a computer science degree, like. So I've, I'm very much like, I was a straight A student in high school. I was never late to class. So I've always been like the person that walks around and writes everything down. And I found that writing things down helps me commit it to memory. So I have like, they're small little notebooks. They just fit in my gear bag, but I write down every match that I do. And it's a lot of things like for here, it's like, this is how long this entrance is. This is how long this entrance is. This is how much we have on the front end. Here's the commercial. Here's the back end. Here's how much we need for like post-match gimmicks. Here's the coach. Here's all this information so that I have it in case anyone asks for it. On top of that, like you and I will chat and then I'll write down something later. So when I'm reviewing a match, I don't necessarily need to be there to ask you questions because I want to be respectful of your time. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different pre-show ritual that they want to go through and some people just have other shit going on. So I have all the information I need to know or that I feel is pertinent to me written down. Mm -hmm. And a couple of them like... I think for the Dustin Jake match, I have like three different versions of the match all crossed off because <laughs> we just kept changing things. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, um, I think I'm on my sixth notebook. I've literally written down every match. Do you keep them? I do. I have a whole pile of them at home. Yeah. So it's nice. I can actually go back and like look and see the things that I thought were previously important to remember and the things that ended up being important. And you can kind of see like a progression. Like there's definitely in the middle somewhere, like my WWE one, right? I took there and I took a bunch of notes and just the amount of information that you need to know for a match is so much more mm. than something like here. I'm like, eh, what's the cutoff? Let's go home. Cool, let's finish, great, awesome, boom. Because there, the match literally is Move for move, move for, for move, move for move. Yeah. Cameramen know it. The producer of the match. Right. Knows the producer's it. telling me the next spot so that if they if they get lost, I can immediately communicate it to them. Like they know the match forward, backward upside down and that's part of the reason like nxt is so good because they have a long time to prepare for those matches whereas we're showing up like it's almost like an indie show with a lot of money where we show up hey what are we doing today cool we're going to do this blah, blah blah like sometimes people will talk about it ahead of time but it's very much what i'm used to right so i feel very comfortable here because i just walk in like i haven't talked about any of my matches today mm -hmm. i know what i'm doing and i've talked to the guys like hey you know, we'll catch up later yeah, yeah, yeah. but like i'm not worried i've worked with everyone before what are what are some of the biggest differences between WWE and AEW that you notice mm, i mean like the ref thing i said yeah. like we all have personalities um and the schedule is very very different the thing that i've recognized and i mean this is completely a personal experience but of course i love our locker room the women's locker room is awesome we're like breaking out into dance parties constantly it's all swollen sunny um <laughs> but like the extra talent girls are in there we're having conversations with them we're not making them change in the broom closet it just feels more like a family it's it's like i said like an indie show with money but like indie shows you know everyone really really well because you travel with each other even if you're not at the same promotion every weekend you see the same people and the same faces right. so you develop these relationships it's like we're all friends I think you were the one that told me early on, it was either you or Jake, but like after shows, we all go hang out together. Mm -hmm. And I've heard like that doesn't happen elsewhere. It doesn't, yeah. Right, so for all of us to just go out and party and hang out as a group, like that's a very unique experience. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's the whole idea of we're all one team. It's not we're all independent contractors that are all working for a monolithic company. It's like, no, we're in it together. We want it to be a thing. So I think it's really just the vibe is different. And I think that's why I gel a lot better here. 
and I, I just want to be everyone's friend. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with you on that uh, because the reason, one of the reasons, is that everyone stays in the same hotel because the company pays for the hotel. Yeah. So I remember in WCW it used to be that way because they would pay for they never paid for my hotel, but they paid for most guys' hotels, and then right. everyone would know where to go. Exactly. And like that's the all same the talents thing. at the same yeah. hotel. I'll be at an airport on a layover and run into people, and mm. we'll be hanging out in the the terminal waiting for our flight. And we'll joke that like, oh, this plane's going to be the party plane because yeah. there's like all of us sitting in the back. But yeah, like we legit like all hang out together. Mm-hmm. Tuesday nights before the show, you can probably go into a hotel lobby and see a bunch of us all just hanging yeah. out, like yeah, just hanging around, right? chilling, like ordering, like DoorDash, whatever, just yeah, yeah. getting food ordered. But yeah, it's like we're all friends. We all hang out. All right, so you left your 10-year career in video game development to work as a full-time referee. That's so insane to me still. And I want to know if that was a tough decision for you to make. Before you answer, let me say thanks to our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home today is so much more than it was yesterday, but at Rocket Mortgage, home is still all about you. During these challenging times we're all experiencing, the top priority at Rocket Mortgage is the health and safety of the communities they serve And while things are changing quickly every day, one thing that will never change is their team's commitment to giving you the best mortgage experience possible. That's why if you need mortgage support, their team of experts is there to answer questions and offer solutions anytime. They understand that hardships happen uh, and they are here to help you. So whether that means working with you to save money on your mortgage or finding new ways to navigate payments, or if you have questions, the team at Rocket Mortgage has all the answers. They know how important your home is to you because you are important to them. If you need mortgage assistance, the home loan experts at More or Rocket Mortgage are available to help 24 hours a day, seven days a week from their home to yours. The team at Rocket Mortgage is with you. Just visit rocketmortgage.com slash Jericho to learn more. That's rocketmortgage.com slash Jericho. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Was it uh, a hard decision for you to leave your 10-year software career behind to go join the circus? Not really, actually. Mm. Um, so I worked in video games. Um, I Create was, them? or So I was on the development side. Video games are tricky because there's so many different components to it. But I originally started as a programmer. Uh, and then I moved into basically project management in video okay. game. It's called a producer. And what I did was essentially take, you have this amount of money, you have this amount of time and this many people make the game happen. So I'm moving around all the different puzzle pieces, trying to figure out what our schedule looks like mm. and then adapting constantly because something we plan to do isn't fun. Publisher just, you know, needs it out sooner. We have this demo we have to do all of a sudden. We had a guy quit. Like, you're adjusting to all the realities of real life. You're working for a company? I was working, I worked for four different companies while I worked for like a freelance company? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's not really freelance. Gotcha. Like, I had a full-time salary gotcha. job. It's just. But you bounced from company to company. Yeah, I mean, everyone does. Like, yeah. and, and that was part of the problem is that games is a very volatile business. There's a lot of money in video games, but they also don't have a long tail. So if you spend millions of dollars on a game, release it, and it doesn't do well, your company's kind of like mm-hmm. on the fence with things. Right, right, right. So there was a couple, like I had gotten laid off twice. Guest, guest starring uh, Jim Ross. Oh, we got look at Jim. this. He's got his new book. Yeah. His oh, new book, oh, Under wow. the Black Hat. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Jim Ross just gave me a copy of his new book. Did you draw a dick in there? <laughs> Invisible ink. Oh, oh he did sign it. To Chris. And think it all started at the Bombay Bicycle Club. That's the truth. <laughs> My best, Jim Ross. Sorry to bother you guys. No, oh, thank you, good. Jim. Great work. Appreciate that. Podcast heaven here. Yeah. I am. I am. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you very much. So you're saying that there's a short tail, a short window? Yeah. For- so if a game's not successful, it pretty much like puts a target on your company. Like, how mm. long are you going to last? Because you need a game to be successful and generate enough money that you can last for years and years until the next game comes out. So I had had, I'd been through two layoffs while I was working in games, uh, and I've worked on a bunch of stuff. I've worked on Nintendo, Sony, Xbox, MMO, PC, phone. Mm, like, I've, wow. I've done a lot of different stuff. But the last thing I was doing was, like, virtual reality, like, headsets with streaming. My son just got one of those. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, so I was kind of at the point of, I was burnt out, I was jaded, and it was, <laughs> I actually got laid off end of July, which was, like, two weeks after I signed my AEW contract. Oh, wow. And I got a month of severance. So I basically had a paid vacation for a month <laughs> before I started salary on AEW. So did you know you were going to get laid off? I did. Okay. So the last company I worked for uh, was this place called V-Real. And, it, like, the guy that ran the place was super uh, – he had a lot of empathy. 
So we knew early on in the year how much money we had in the bank and what we needed to do from an investment perspective in order to keep our jobs. And he would constantly give us updates. So I knew that there was a chance I was going to get laid off uh, beginning of June. Mm. And I'm not going to go like tell people like, hey, I'm getting laid off because until it happens, it's not right. happening, right? But the timing of it was, was perfect. It was perfect. Like I, I could not have asked for better timing. I think I like painted my living room because I had like all this free time. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. And right. so, yeah, it was, it was fun. Do you do, and I know you do additional things here in AEW. I do. I'm a project coordinator. What does it, that mean? It's, it's, I think it's just a bullshit title, like a catch all <laughs> thing. Uh, so I do a couple things. Uh, I'm the co-host of the AEW unrestricted, the official podcast. How do you like that? It's awesome. I love working with Tony Schiavone. Right. Uh, I just make dick jokes and then he just kind of has to deal with it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, I, I like it cause it's a wrestling podcast, but we don't talk about wrestling mm -hmm. and we talk about whatever stories are important to whoever we're interviewing. So it's, it's a different perspective. Uh, so I do that. Uh, I'm working on the AEW video game. Wow. Let's talk about that. Cause there's been a lot of questions. I about can't it. actually talk too much about it. I don't well, know what tell I can us what you say. can say. I mean, we're very, very early on. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that we're talking about. I, I talked to Kenny a lot about what, what he wants out of it, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's definitely a ways out. I'm not going to put a number on it because I don't want like the internet to get mad at me. But mm. <laughs> do, you, do you play video games? I do. I actually play more video games now that I'm not making them because it doesn't feel like work anymore. Right, right, right. Yeah. I do a lot of um, Nintendo Switch because I can travel with it. Mm. So I'll play a lot of games on airplanes. Do you, have you played wrestling video games in the past? I have. I didn't play a lot of the old stuff when it came out because yeah. I wasn't a wrestling fan mm. then. But like I've played a lot of the the newest like 2K19. So what makes a good wrestling video game? Because the 2K the 2K19 got got slammed. No, right? 2K19 was good. Oh, 2K20 they, was bad was because of they changed the developer. Gotcha. So the guys that were making 2019 didn't make 20. Mm. Um, or 2K19 yeah, didn't yeah, make 2K20. Yeah. Which is like it goes to show like if you're really familiar with something, like if you have a an uh, an author that writes fantasy novels and you suddenly tell them to write a murder mystery, it's not going to be as good because gotcha. it's not their forte. Right. So there's, there's a, a lot that plays into it. And I think it's, I think it really comes down to what people want. Like creative characters are really, really important because people like having that creativity aspect. Or if there's a character that's not in a game, they want to recreate it. Like people are making AEW roster people in that. other wrestling games. There's a lot of pain maker characters. Yeah, there's like, a lot of pain yeah, maker yeah. characters. A lot of just like, mm -hmm. we're going to make the Titan Tron this and we're going to use this entrance and people all that. People like to kind of be in charge of their own universe. They do. And yeah. I think that's the thing that I really loved about making video games is it's unlike any other media, a lot like wrestling, where it's escapism, but it's interactive. Because it's like going to a movie, but you're controlling what the actor's doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. So it's, yeah. Because, I mean, it was, it was such a focus on video gaming and, and, and the culture. And then, like you said, Candy and a lot of the guys are super into it. There's they, a lot of crossover. Yeah, but the yeah. AW game has to kick ass. It has to up, kick ass. There's know? a lot of expectations for it. Uh, there's a lot of just people are waiting to hear stuff. And I'm yeah. not going to be the one to say it because I don't know but what I can say. part of your gig is kind of <laughs> organizing it. Yeah, I mean, like I did this for 10 years. Like I've, I've worked with. This is your wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah I, I, there's not really a lot of people that are, you know, have that experience at work here. But like mm -hmm. I've. I've been leads, uh, like a lead on like a mobile game that has a localization team in uh, Montreal that has a QA team in Burbank that has a Japanese publisher and I'm the one coordinating meetings. So mm. like it, it's stuff that I'm used to and I understand like the pitfalls people are going to run into and I know the questions that need to be asked that are going to like save us millions of dollars down the line. Mm. So there's just a lot of, it's the same way like you come into this company, we've got a lot of new guys and you're offering your expertise. Mm -hmm. It's I'm trying to do the same thing on a much smaller scale yeah, yeah. in a very different thing. It's, right? it's very cool to me that you came in right off the bat. You have other jobs in a yeah. more behind the scenes. Well, I'm I'm all about just wanting to help the company grow. Like I really like working here, and I want to work here as long as I can. So if there's something I can do to better make the company successful, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. like I've also helped like Chris Harrington with a bunch of spreadsheet stuff. I've helped Jeff Jones with some social media bullshit here and there. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to help. Right. Like, I want to be a team player. And the more things you can do, the more valuable you are. Boom. Yeah. That's a smart, <laughs> that's a smart thing, right? Job are, security. When you, um, switching back to, to refing, when you show up or, or who decides who's, who does which matches? So Paul Turner is our senior ref. So, so he's, what, is that, what does a senior ref mean? Senior referee is the guy that assigns the matches. Gotcha. Uh, at the end of the day, like, if you come in and say, well, I want Aubrey, mm -hmm. like, He's going to give you me. But yeah, at yeah. the same time, he knows that. Right. So he's just going to do it anyway. You don't mm -hmm. necessarily have to ask. But yeah, from my, my perspective, he's basically managing who's refing which matches. 
And sometimes things will change based on like order of the card. Like we try to not have refs back to back. That's essentially what he does. So I come into the production meetings on Tuesday, not knowing what I'm going to do. And then I get a piece of paper and it's like, oh, cool. That's what I'm doing. Gotcha. Do you, is there certain people you like working with? I like working with you. Mm-hmm. You're super easy to work with because mm-hmm. you're like, you don't fuck around. You just want to tell a story and you've got right, your right, moves right. and it's just like, it's, it's so easy. It was funny the, the, the last match we had with, uh, with Mox cause we, we we've done uh, spots and sometimes we, we, we switched around and the one that was trying to get you to move around. I couldn't hear you. And I kept hitting you and you kept standing there. I'm like, go this way. And you're like, <laughs> I'm like, right, oh, go this way. But the best part of all was, People were like, Jericho kept pushing Aubrey, trying to get disqualified. Right. And there's got to be a winner. What a great story, but it's not what I was doing. No. I was trying to get you to move over into the corner. It's like, hey, go to over, turn here, around. over here and, so and you can see this but shot. What, but what a great story to tell. I should have exactly. thought of that, but it, it worked because it I kept nudging you. And by not moving, you know, I just thought that was a, a cool little story well, that was told. And it ended up working out great because I ended up getting my comeuppance with like throwing out the inner circle. Mm-hmm. So... Because I had a lot of people like, well, why didn't you push back? I'm like, well, I, I got something going on. Yeah. Like, I got a spot. I don't need to like take this moment. <laughs> but I, but I, and there has to be that kind of uh, psychology behind yes. it. It's like, why wouldn't she DQ him? Well, it's it's like a title match, like a boxing match. Or there has a to UFC be a fight. winner. Yeah. Right? And if someone gets like, you know, need in the, in the groin, for example, right. maybe if it was an earlier fight, a prelim fight, there would be a DQ. But in right. the main event that people paid millions to see... You got to let these guys fight. Right. It's, it's like you guys went to the outside. We spent like, what, five minutes outside yeah. of the ring going up and down the ramp? Like, right. I'm just going to follow you. Yeah. Well, right. People are going to get, people are going to want me to really count to 10 and disqualify this yeah, match. Exactly. Like, let's be real, guys. That, that's right. That's right. You know? <laughs> it's and, wrestling. And that, exactly. Yeah, th- th- there's, th- that's one thing that I love about wrestling is that we can, we're not bending rules, but we're, we're, like you said, we're telling the story and making things fit into what we need because we have the right to do that. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So it, it works. Um, the other thing I like working with you is that you have a lot of respect for the referee that even if it's a no DQ match, you'll make sure that I still don't see right. interactions. Like with yep. the Darby match, like mm-hmm. Jake was involved with it, but I never saw Jake oh, right. because of the way that we had structured it. Yeah. So that's always super nice because it's like, cool, I don't have to worry about like looking like an idiot. Chris is going to take care of me. And people are like, you know, why would you, st- you're the world champ. Why would you still cheat to win in an ODQ match? Because you're a heel. you're a heel. That's what you that's do. It's wrestling psychology 101. But even last week with Rick, when, when Darby did the, 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 the tope and I hit him with the Judas effect, I was like, I'm not, I don't know if like, if I'm allowed to do that. Like mm-hmm. if I'm outside, I don't know. And I sort of just to, 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 to keep all my ducks in a row, I, has, I told Rick, just look, they'd be, Checking just, on just Sammy. Make, make this, yeah. Just to make sure. I don't know if it's legal or not, but why take the chance of you blatantly seeing me hit him? Right. So just look at Sammy. And it's funny because there's a great picture of Sammy coming out, or sorry, of, of Darby coming out, and I'm spinning for the Judas. And you can see in the background that Rick is looking at Sammy, not seeing what's happening right. behind him. And I love that. Yeah. You know? Well, so one of the things that I ended up doing when I first took the project coordinator job, and it's, it's not out yet, but I basically wanted to have our rules written down. Okay. I heard Tony Khan say in an interview once, like, oh, yeah, we should have our rules public if we're like a sports company. We're treating that way. And I'm like, yeah, we should actually. Right. So I started writing everything down and realized there's all these holes of like, what happens if the illegal person hits a legal person? Mm -hmm. How do we treat that at AEW? Right. So I've, it was funny. We, I had like the rules printed out and we're talking about it. Hangman comes over and goes, oh, are all the refs meeting to talk about the rules? I'm like, yeah, actually we are. Like, (laughs) but like we talked about things and figured out like, how do we want to treat this situation? How do we want to treat this? And uh, I got, I got a thumbs up from Boss Man, so hopefully that'll come out soon. So tell me some of the rules that you, that you had writ, wrote, written down. So one of the things that was a big question is how do you treat like four-way tag matches? Like one team versus another team versus another team versus another team. Because typically anything more that's a singles match is a no disqualification by just default. So triple threats, no disqualification, right? But why do you have the structure of a tag match then? It doesn't really make any sense. Mm. So why is somebody waiting, to right? Tag why it? is somebody waiting to tag if it's technically no DQ? It, it kind of just doesn't really serve the purpose. So uh, I think it was actually Rick Knox had the idea of what if it basically becomes if one guy is DQ'd, that team is eliminated and the match continues. Like just a weird, like it's probably something that we're going to maybe use once if ever. But having that understanding, I also personally really pushed for um, intentional groin shots or illegal independent of gender. Because, I mean, that's something that's really important to us is having diversity. And it ultimately shouldn't matter what ha- is in your pants. Like, it hurts when I get kicked in the box. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like right. it should be illegal regardless. So, right, right, right. Uh, figuring out, like, what's a five count? What's an immediate disqualification? Like, 
what we do here versus like like WWE, for instance, like blatant chokes are illegal. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you can choke on the ropes, you can choke with a foot. Like if mm-hmm. it's not blatant, like two hands on a throat, it's fine. But we're like, do we care about that? Like, eh, yeah, no, yeah. we'll just do five count here. Well, and it's important it's small to, little things. To, to establish that. Yes. It's like I, I was telling Tony for, for, for weeks and he didn't want to do it. I said, we have to have a disqualification. Yes. Just one. Just one. Because then you'll always know, hey, you know, June 5th, 2020, well, so-and-so got DQ'd. Even it's like if- the, the match time limits, right? Right. A match has to hit a time limit yeah. every now and then for those to actually matter. Right. And we did that, I think, with We've done Cody it twice. and somebody. Yeah. Cody and Darby, and then I think like Mox and Pac. Yeah. I think had one early right. on in TV. And that's why when, when, when Pac got... Technically, you and Jungle Boy as well. We did. That's right. Yeah. When Pac got DQ'd um, in the Iron Man match, yeah. it was the perfect place for it. Yes. And we showed and established that you can get DQ'd. Correct. So there are, once again, rules and stakes and yes. consequences when you do things. You know? I think it's a great idea. To, to, I've never seen that before. I used to laugh like when someone was be, like the guest ref. Like, did you get your license from the commission? Did you read the rule book? It's like, right. yeah, yeah. Now there actually is... There's a, it's, a rule book. There will be. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely going through the approval process because I know the moment it gets out there, it's going to like, it's going to be scrutiny and all I that. I know, right? That's why the first line says everything is up to the referee's discretion. Yeah. It's like my catch-all. Like, yeah. Ultimately, I get to decide what happens in mm-hmm. the ring. Like, but really behind the scenes, it's we're deciding what happens. Mm-hmm. But having those outlines is what allows us to tell the story we want. Right, exactly. So uh, you mentioned you enjoy working with me. Who else do you enjoy working with? I really like working with Darby, mostly because I really like his style. Mm-hmm. He's very fast. So working with someone like Darby pushes me to try and do my best. Interesting. Um, because I, appro- I approach refing as if, like, when you watch an, an MMA fight, the ref is typically a former MMA fighter. Like, really? They understand. What, well, that's, that's how it's been told. I don't watch, gotcha. I don't watch real fighting. I don't like <laughs> actual violence. Um, but, like, the referee needs to conceivably be able to break up a fight. So I take my fitness and my nutrition really seriously because I want it to make sense that I have this, you know, five, seven girl breaking up matches with dudes who are over six feet. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, well, this is fake. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, there's going to have to be some element of it. Like you have to listen to me. But at the end of the day, like if I'm pushing you back, it makes a little bit of sense. And I think with Darby moving as fast as he does, I need to be able to keep up because if he's moving so fast that I can't keep up, how am I going to do my job? Mm -hmm. Um, I really like working with uh, SCU. I love the way that they structure matches. Mm. It's really fun. There's a lot of stuff that, like, when they do a blind tag, they very, very easily communicate it. So stuff like that that's typically, like, if you're not comfortable working with someone or you haven't worked with someone before, you might miss those little things. Like, they're very good about once you know their moveset, you know kind of what to expect from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but all their stuff's still really exciting and new and different every time. But they just have that playbook that they're pulling from. That's um, a great. It's fun. I think those are guys that really... Uh, were probably underrated in a way because people had never really seen them. Especially Scorpio Sky. Like, yeah. Not a lot of people knew. Like like Frankie and CD had done like their Impact thing for, for a years, while. They had yeah. done their thing for a long time. So I think Scorpio Sky hadn't really gotten a chance to shine. So mm-hmm. him being here has been super awesome. Hmm. I really like <laughs> I really like working with MJF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love that over-the-top character stuff. Um, whether or not we have anything in the match, I like seeing it directly in front of me because I just, I, I, I have so much fun with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I have the best seat in the house. Like I'm, I'm a Mark. I enjoy wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like working with Brit. I think we've developed a really good working relationship. She'll mm. often, she'll, she's going to hate me for saying this, but she'll often like forget a spot and just mm. say, okay, when this happens, tell me this. Oh, and it's cool. always every single match. She's like, when you see me do this, say this. Right. Cause she's just like, I'm recognizing I'm not catching this, whatever. And it's like, everyone has that little thing. Sure. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm not remembering the spot, whatever. So we just always have that. But see, I, I use my refs to communicate off all the time. Right. Yeah. So it's, I really love it because it just shows that she trusts me. Right. Yeah. So to have that relationship with her, she's actually the reason why I went with Aubrey Edwards. Did well, I ever tell that, you that? No. <laughs> so Aubrey's not my real name. Okay. Um, uh, my real name is Brittany. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody's real name. They're talking about Steven and Dustin and Austin. Like, who the hell are these yeah, guys? Steve like, is Paige. Hang like, <laughs> Dustin is Chucky e. T. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, Dustin. And then, uh, yeah, there's like, everyone's got their, yeah, their names and stuff, yeah. right? Um, I had no idea. So, so. Yeah, so my name is Brittany. Um, and the, one of the things I noticed on the indies was uh, anytime the first time I work a promotion, they'll typically throw me in the women's match. Because there's either people who don't think that a woman should ref a men's match 
or they like the image of only women in the ring. Mm -hmm. Like those were the two things I'd run into a lot. Mm -hmm. So I typically always ended up working women's matches. And I'm like, well, I'm probably gonna cross paths with Britt Baker at some point or another. Right. I should probably come up with a different name <laughs> just to kind of limit confusion. <laughs> right. And then I show up here and nobody knows who I am because I'm a fucking nobody, right? Mm -hmm. So I just introduce myself as Aubrey everywhere. But I actually prefer Brittany in like backstage which has caused a lot of confusion. Britt's like, you're not allowed to have that name. I'm like, bitch, I'm older than you. Like, it was my name first. Or, or, or also, you got me calling you Avery, because that's Yeah, my, you call me Avery, because that's your assistant's name. Fozzie, yeah. <laughs> you're like, Avery, I'm so sorry. I'm like, like, I know. Avery, Aubrey. And you kind Stop of- Stop apologizing. And you, and you remind me of her, too. Like, you guys have the same personality, so it very easily <laughs> slip in. It's funny, because she came to Atlanta. I was going to try and bring her back and introduce you to you, but- um, So where did you get Aubrey from? Um, So my dad's name was Edward Aubert, and oh. so my- wrestling name is Aubrey Edwards because gotcha. he actually passed away when I was 12. Oh, so he never saw any of this. Right. And he'd get a huge kick out of it. Like the running joke is that he, he would have like first class at every airline because he'd be racking up frequent flyer miles going to all the TV shows because <laughs> he would just have a blast. Yeah. So that was sort of my, like, I mean, wrestlers just pick the names they want. Right. right. So I wanted something that was sort of more important to me. Mm -hmm. And like refs typically don't change their names. They'll typically just use their actual like government name. Yeah. So I think that's like the other thing is that people are just like, wait, Aubrey's not your name? Because they just assume refs. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I think like Paul Turner is actually Paul Turner. Paul, yeah, Bryce yeah. is Bryce Charles Robinson. Like yeah. everyone's the same. So like when people come up to me, they're like, wait, your name's not Aubrey? I'm like, no. Were you, <laughs> Why is it weird? Did you have another name for a while? I was originally Girl Hebner. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was you. <laughs> that was me. You actually were called Girl Hebner. That was my first gimmick, yeah. So I worked at a company called 321 Battle, and their whole gimmick was uh, weird wrestling. So it was kind of like kooky and out there, but like 21 plus and just like... Uh, yeah, like Lucha Vavoom or something. Right, like very Lucha Vavoom. It's like like Chikara was swearing. Yeah. Like, and, and like the crowd would get rowdy. There's lots of drinking and stuff. So when I was picking what my persona was going to be, I wanted something that kind of fit the brand because that was the only place I was working. So I'm trying to do right by the product. And we're sitting down in a coffee, me and my husband, and he goes, you could just be Girl Hebner. I'm like, well, discussion's over. Like, I'm not going to come up with anything better than that. So it's literally like G-E-A-R-L, G-E-A-R-L, yeah. Yeah, which is funny because a lot of people assume I'm actually Hebner's daughter. And I'm like, no, it's a pun. Yeah. <laughs> like, you get it? Girl, I met him Earl. at Double or Nothing, yeah. like, which he loves the name, by the way. Did he know you were Girl Hebner? No, it was, I ran into him and Justin Roberts in the lobby at the hotel, and Justin was like, well, looky here, it's Girl and Earl. And I'm like, not expecting to have this conversation on the first day I'm there. And so I had to tell Earl, like, yeah, my, my name on the Indies is Girl Hebner. And he's like, Really? Well, how about that? That's funny. How do you spell that? Like G-E-A-R-L. Well, that's wonderful. I love it. We took a picture. So he calls me G. Hebner now. That's cool. Which is funny because his, his son's B. Hebner. His, <laughs> yeah, his brother's Hebner. D. Hebner. So I'm, I'm just one of the family now. G. Hebner, that's right, right, but yeah, right. a lot of people think that like Earl's my dad, but like there's literally a zero <laughs> relation whatsoever. Last couple of questions for you. Sure. Um, you, you mentioned video. What are your favorite video games? Uh, I'm a big, big fan of The Legend of Zelda. And that was actually the game that made me want to make video games. Wow. It was Ocarina of Time. I have a, I have a Triforce tattoo. Like, Is it still popular? It's still very popular. Yeah. The most recent one that came out on the Nintendo Switch, uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, is probably my new favorite Zelda game mm. because they completely redid a lot of how Zelda is presented and made it much more exploratory but still have a lot of what makes that franchise special. Mm. Um, so that's probably like my favorite thing. And then I'm, I'm very much about escapism. I don't like shooters. I don't like anything that's violent. I don't like anything that's scary. So I'm all about like Mario, Yoshi, like anything with a lot of colors. Fantasy games. Yeah. Fantasy games. Like I can't play like, like JRPGs anymore because I don't have time to put in like 90 hours into a right. video game. I want something short that I can finish in two hours. Yeah, you can play on a plane. Right. Like my, my favorite game last year was this game called um, Untitled Goose Game where you basically play as a goose that's an asshole that steals shit from other people. And like, that's the whole game. <laughs> and it's like, it's like two to three hours. Yeah. It's funny. The, the art style is great. And it's just little things like that. Mm -hmm. Like I love little tiny experiences because games can be anything. Right. Um, I played a game recently. I forgot what it was, but you basically play a hole in the ground that like you move around and it just sucks up buildings and the oh, hole wow. gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So you're basically taking over this whole city. The whole game was like two hours. Wow. But if I can get it done in a flight, mm -hmm. I'm more likely to play it. Yeah, yeah. And what's your favorite match you ever re uh, refed and your favorite match you've ever watched? Uh, favorite match I've ever refed was definitely Cody Darby at Fighter Fest. Wow. 
because that one was like everything went as it needed to. And then the whole chair shot at the end, like, like the timing of that, like Sean Spears and I went over, over and over and over and over and over again. And he was just really happy with it. So I felt like I did a really good job. So I was happy with my performance. Darby did a great job. And Darby and I are both from Seattle. So to have a moment where both of us are in the ring with Cody Rhodes really meant a lot to Seattle. It's like, yeah, look, we're, we're on the map again. Like it's a pretty big deal. So yeah, it was definitely like, that was my favorite match. Because everything needed to go as it needed to. And I was really happy with my performance. I really loved just the story that was told. My favorite match I've ever watched, I actually went to the first NXT Brooklyn. And I saw Sasha Banks and Bayley, where Sasha drops the title to Bayley. And like literally everyone in our section is crying just because the story they told was so good. And that's one of the things that I really love about wrestling is like what the audience is feeling is just so like you, you get attached to that. Like the crowd is into it. Right. And you just know that feeling of this is something special. So that was probably the one where I'm like, dude, this match was insane. And I, I, it's one of those where you have a hard time explaining to someone why it's so good mm-hmm. because there's so many like, Oh, well this happened two years ago and right, this so happened and this happened yeah. and this happened. But like when you're there, you get it. Mm-hmm. That was probably the coolest match I've ever seen in life. And then last question. So what are your, your goals here in AEW? Ooh. Um, I mean, my goals in AEW, I just want to help our company get as big as possible. Mm-hmm. Like I want us to like fill a football stadium at one point. And I don't know specific, I can't tell you like what I'm going to do to get there, mm-hmm. but I know that we can just do a better job each and every episode of TV mm-hmm. to try and put on a better product. Right. Um, my goal in wrestling right now is like, I've been given a lot of opportunities as a woman to kind of break those ceilings. So I'm trying to give back and help out the other indie refs that are coming up. Because there's a lot of like, that was one of the things I didn't like about ballet is that women are really catty mm-hmm. and they're all just fighting yeah. for each other's spots, right? But I want to build a community of female referees where we're all looking out for each other. Right. So I'll have girls on the indies send me tapes. I'll review it. I'll send them feedback and stuff. So, I mean, if a spot ever opens up, I have names and I know who takes feedback well and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely just want to help the next girl that comes up have an easier time than I did. Smart. Yeah. Great stuff. And uh, like I said, you you are definitely the uh, most popular ref. And as long as you stay out of my face. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll get along just fine. Yeah, stay in your lane, man. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Chris.